I don't know how anybody else feels about going into work voluntarily, but I did that yesterday and I'm doing it again today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Big Sky Sports Talk a part of your day, my family and I greatly appreciate it. You have found the only podcast in the world completely devoted to the full coverage of the four major franchises of one major market. And that's Phoenix, Arizona. We do things a little bit differently. We do it from Big Sky Country, Billings, Montana. We cover ASU football and ASU basketball to go along with it, and all presented by the unofficial presenting sponsor of Muya Billings. Yeah, uh, went in for uh, about four hours, four or five hours yesterday voluntarily to work. And as soon as I get this uploaded, I will uh, go ahead and, and for, I don't know, I probably not that long. Maybe, I don't know, it might be longer. I have no idea. But I don't have to necessarily be there, but I did commit for uh, two days uh, yesterday afternoon and uh, and sometime today, at any point in time today. But I do want to be uh, helpful and in and out. So um, had my uh, interview uh, for a, a team lead position yesterday. Um, and I'm not coming in voluntarily to sweeten the deal, although I'm sure it probably does. Um, that's not why I'm doing it. Uh, sometimes you can use a little extra money and when you're just at the house all the time, you do get kind of bored and I might be crazy for, uh, going into work on, uh, on off days or vacation days, but, um, work allows me to do it. And, uh, like I said, it's, I, th- I think because it's at your leisure, you're like, sure, why not? You know? I'll get paid a little extra money and go in and, and do that. And, uh, yeah. So, um, plus I'm learning a, a new side of work that I just normally don't do. So that, that's always, that's always good and helpful for, um, down the road. Um, but yeah, I, uh, that's what I did yesterday. So Hi. <laughs> Um, hope, uh, hope you guys had a, uh, uh, a good, uh, Tuesday and, uh, hopefully your, your Wednesday is just a salad. Uh, it's hump day as they say. So, um, let's see, uh, Coyotes, uh, played, uh, last night, unfortunately in, in a loss. Um, that's basically everything, uh, in, in sports that happened. Uh, we have some other things that we'll talk about. We'll get into in just a couple minutes, but um, yeah, just kind of a, a low. Um, let's see, not a low energy day, but just not much going on. Uh, staycations are great, but they they do get kind of boring sometimes. So that that's that's what I'm going through right now but it is always good to have the opportunity to to talk to you guys and and that that's good and might as well put this if i calculate everything in front of me you know almost uh um two grand uh to uh to use that's uh always a good thing i guess so <laughs> 
I mean, I guess I mean, that's not even including the desk that it's on, but that's just the equipment. The, the laptop I use, um, mic, the, and I realize I might not ever told you guys this, but <clears throat> now welcome to my world. The um, uh, recording um, equipment that I use, so uh, cables and everything combined, uh, yeah, right around two, and the desk, the desk puts it right at, right over two, so, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's the life I live as a freelance broadcaster, podcaster, um, other than that, yeah, it just, that's kind of what's, uh, what's going on, um, I, um, have uh the um um remainder of my um staycation to do some other things that I want to do on my own but um it's it's good to good to get on the mic uh consistently at least for this week we'll we'll see uh what happens uh later down down the road um Let's see. I think there was something else. I don't know if I have anything else to to uh, to mention. But I guess we'll go ahead and uh, get uh, sound credits. Um, oh, and by the way, you know, I didn't mention you know the expense of of doing this to get uh, pity. But uh, um, if you feel obliged to. Um, let people know that I exist and the show exists so that way I can not necessarily do it for free or for a hobby, um, but one day make uh, royalties from it. Feel free to uh, tell everybody about the show. <laughs> um, but anyway, we have, uh, we're going to get things kicked off uh, at azcardinals.com. We have uh, Drew Petzing, Nick Rollis, and Jeff Rogers spoke to the media yesterday. Um, and then the Arizona Sports YouTube page, um, they have uh, two uh, conversations involving uh, the the game from the other day, uh, actual conversation um, that uh, kind of goes into what I said yesterday, the, the thought of the Cardinals winning their own individual Super Bowl is kind of... Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, Arizona Sports talks about that, and then, um, and then the conversation of a um, lot of uh, Eagles fans not too happy about uh, how things went with uh, Jonathan Gannon. You know, he was the defensive coordinator um, for the Eagles for two years, and one of which uh, during the Super Bowl run and. Uh, and then, you know, it was like a, a, a couple of days the way they reported after that he has the interview with Cardinals and apparently doesn't have a second interview like a couple others, but crushes the interview completely. And and then they had the um, thing of Monty Austin for tampering, and so they took a draft pick away. And so Eagles fans are upset that his focus wasn't on the game and it was on a new job. And and so they've been giving him grief 
uh, ever since. So the wind, they talk about how the wind kind of quiets that down a little bit, although probably feel feels them even more. Um, and then uh, um, we have um, coyotes. Will uh, that's courtesy of uh, NHL YouTube page, and then uh, AZ uh, Arizona Coyotes YouTube page. Um, we'll actually get started off with that first. It makes more sense to do that first, but um, and then we'll have um, just kind of a, a conversation with uh, Arizona Sports and Bradley Beal. He uh, joined the uh, one of the shows uh, yesterday, as and just kind of talking about uh, the state of the team right now, how the chemistry of uh, uh, he uh, book and. Uh, Kevin Durant or how that is all going is kind of we'll use that as a uh, to serve as a preview for uh, tonight's game against the Clips. So um, I think uh, that's it. So azcardinals.com, NHL YouTube page, Arizona Sports YouTube page, um, Arizona Coyotes YouTube page, and... Uh, I believe that is it for uh, sound credits. Um, we'll go ahead and get into the Coyotes first. Um, talk about the game, and then we'll get into everything else that's not uh, live action related. Um, all that and uh, and more coming up next on Big Sky Sports Talk, unofficially presented by Booyah Billings. Muya Burgers, Fries, Shakes, and Billings is the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. There are several Muya locations throughout the United States and a couple of locations internationally. Let's start out with the food. The burgers are fantastic. They have burgers for every lifestyle, vegan, keto, low-calorie, as well as gluten-free. My personal favorite is the Cheddar Bacon Barbecue Burger. Their fries are always fresh, and don't forget about the Muya sauce. You can get a shake to go along with it. Though the food is good, I always leave satisfied, but their customer service is at the top. Rico, he's the general manager of Muya Billings. He and his staff are top-notch. They are located at 2695 King Avenue West in Billings, Montana. So go see my guy Rico. He'll hook you up. And tell him I sent you. Muya Billings, the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. Pamelka, perfect 4 0 in his last four starts. Aaron Ekblad's going to send one right to the glove of Amelka. He saw it all the way, so we'll get another face-off here. And they have a, a serious belief going all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals last year against the Vegas Golden Knights. Out of the corner, Matthew Kachuk. And right back to the front, Bennett. As this one will be played around. Holding on to it is Verhage. Takes it right to the net and knocked oh, away there. I cannot believe there wasn't a penalty on the play. And it's been something else, all four lines contributing. Yeah, that's, that's the big one for me. Last year it was Clayton Keller and Nick Smaltz that provided 45% of the offense. Uh, he's one of the best in the league, no question about it. Dursey, 
And that's handled by Sergei Bobrovsky. Back to the line, Kesselring, good keep. Into the corner, Kerfoot, now out high, Kesselring, Rister, and good traffic in front, but able to see it, Bobrovsky. Just a, a simple, hard game, and always so dangerous when you play a team below you in the standings. Kulikov will bring it in for Ekman Larson. He shoots, and a stop, and a rebound. Oh, there's Patton all over Ekman Larson. Zucker breaks back. He's got some room. Jason Zucker, he shoots, and Bobrovsky. Over Ekman Larson. Long time, Coyote. Back to back. The guy can do it all. Zach Sanford will play it in behind it at Carconi on the curl. And that's stopped by Bobrovsky. Kesseling fourth among rookie defensemen in points so far. This one to the front for Hagee, and he's stopped by Bamelka. Could keep Bennett now, working the right wing boards. Across it goes, Forsling shoots. That one caught somebody in front. Three shutouts here at Mullet Arena. That's second best in the NHL. Keller with a sharp angle shot. This one's going to be covered over a Tampa Bay Lightning Blair. Plays it right back to the front, and Bennett, and it's covered by Vamelka. Uh, what a play there by how they've cashed in on it based on the difference that we saw a year ago. Congratulations to you, Matt. We're in trouble if I'm the fourth star. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say. Bugstad will bring it in, and it's denied. Bennett will turn the other way, and here comes Florida again. Carter Verhage leading the rush, and that's broken up. But Verhage gets it back, and he scores. Carter Verhage, and he's been all over it here in the opening 11 minutes or so. And Florida with a 1-0 lead. Time. No call on the play. And this is a little bit of a broken play. The Coyotes have the puck, and they lose it. It was Bukestad that tries to kick that puck up to his stick. Turns it over, and Verhage right here in the middle of the ice uses Dumba as a screen and blows it past Karelba Melka. And Unfortunate play here, really no fault on the play. Retrieval by Verhage. Montour. And now Barkov. Back out high, Montour. Right back to the front and hit the pipe. Power play, Matthew Kachuk parked in front. Right off the pipe to the left of Amalka. Redirection there, Sam Reinhardt. Fourth in the National Hockey League in goals with 23. Rodriguez to the line. Ekblad. Ekman Larson down low again. Curling Rodriguez. He got hammered that time in front. Coyotes, they, they allow Rodriguez maybe a little bit too much time and space. Oliver Ekman Larson down low. And there was a man open for the Panthers in that high slot. Comes around Moser with a shot. That off the, did that go off the pipe? I think it went off the post. And a 1-0 Panthers lead. Bennett brings it in. Denied. Michelli the other way. Maybe a two-on-one. He's got Bugstad on the left. Michelli shoots and a stop. Bobrovsky. Off the Bennett turnover right there. 200 feet from your net. It's a two-on-one the other way. Bugstad coming down the other side. And... Pretty well played by the Florida Panthers. That was Barkoff as a forward. Took away the pass across to Bukestad. And Matias Bocelli left. And now Bennett. Ekman Larson. 
across Bennett. Shot goes wide. Up to Larson again denied. Here's an opportunity picked by Kerfoot. Brings it along. Lawson Krause back to Kerfoot. He scores! Alex Kerfoot. A shorty is tied it. Handed goal, and there's the turnover by Oliver Ekman Larson. Off to the races. Alex Kerfoot gets it back from Lawson Krause. What a feed, and how about the sweet mitts of Kerfoot? Look at him feather this one up top. He waits for Bobrovsky to go down, and then he elevates this right under the bar. Oh, my. What a goal. His fifth of the season. What a... And they get it set up for Barkov. Out high it goes. Across Verhage. Towards the front. Bouncing around. Coyotes looking for a clear. Oh, what a play there by Rodriguez. I think Barkov was caught off guard on that play. And now Barkov again comes across. And off the pipe. Sam Reinhardt. And he'll skate it along through center for Barkov. Part of Verhage. He's got the floor to go. To the front they score. Sharp angle, and it might have been redeflected. Is that Reinhardt's goal, Tyson? Oh, it's thousand percent. Yeah, two-one. Hart didn't even know he scored this. He's got a smirk on his face. I think he thought he ran out of real estate. And Barkov just throws it at the net, and look at that redirection. Wow. Here's Melka gets caught a little bit too tight in his net, but you still you gotta protect that near post. And I think that's what he's doing, and that redirection sends it the other Sam Bennett in the draw against Kerfoot Coyotes win it. Oh, big hit. Robert Hagee that time on Kesselring. Goes right to the front. They swat away at it and they score. And they get another one. And Matthew Kachuk, I believe, will get it. And it's 3-1 Florida. Be a nightmare to play against. Here's the hit for Hagee on Kesselring. Sends him flying. Gets the puck back. They work it around the horn up top. And there's the redirection in front. And I think Kesselring puts this puck in maybe into his own net right here. Yes, that's exactly what happens. Matthew Kachuk's going to get this goal. He's the last one to touch it before Kesselring. Coyotes pull their goaltender. Extra attacker is out. Valimaki. He'll beat it out high. Across it goes, Schmaltz a little too hot. Coming in that time for Michelli, and this one will be cleared away and towards the empty net, and it's in. And the Florida Panthers have pretty much iced it. Yeah, I would imagine that that's going to do it. Y you had to do it. You had to go at the early pole, and that's just a, a one battle there. And... Forsling, what a play there. Wins the battle down low in the corner and then just goes to ice it, really. A healthy dose of them on this five-game homestay. Yeah, it's just been waves of white here tonight. Krause with a shot and a big save. Bobrovsky, and that's that's the other problem. You get a great look. Sergei Bobrovsky has pretty much slammed the door. Yeah, and that wasn't the case for, for quite a while with Bobrovsky, right? I mean, yeah. They're kind of going back and forth between goaltenders, and Bobrovsky has taken over that net since last year. Anton Lundell tracking at that time was Vamelka. For the victory, they'll be on their way to Colorado and Vegas.
Back out high, Forsling at the horn, and that's going to do it. Two big, big killers in the game. More than, well, just more than two, but two that stand out to me. One of them uh, you didn't hear, and the other you did hear. And and basically that uh, Kachuk goal, um, because he was the last one to touch it, it that, that was scored. Well, by the Coyotes, and uh, that that was a killer. But the one you didn't hear is is the goal that was waved off in the first period. Um, I w- want to say, gosh, who was that? M- Might have been uh, Kerfoot that actually got the goal um, in the um, in the third. But um, there was a goal that was waved off because of. Um, uh, goalkeeper interference. Basically, I can't remember who, um, but they they uh, was trying to get out of the way, and their skate ac- uh, accidentally you know clipped the the leg of uh, the of the uh, Florida goalkeeper, and no goal. And I think that that was a big momentum killer earlier. And then, you know, when when one of your own guys essentially scores or helps score a goal for Matthew Kachuk, it it's uh uh brutal. Brutal, brutal. And uh so it goes down as a four one uh win for the Florida Panthers. Yotes lose first game of uh twenty twenty four. Um, and they'll be playing, uh, tomorrow, but, um, the unassisted goal by the Panthers at 1046, nothing in the second period. And then the Kerfoot, uh, shorthanded goal with Lawson Kraus on the assist, uh, one, one. And then, uh, the, there was a power play goal, uh, seven fifty six. the Kachuk unassisted goal. Um, technically, I guess you can say uh, technically unassisted, but you know, real life assisted by the Coyotes at 8:38, and then the empty netter at the very end of the game, 17:39. Um, Panthers win, as I said, four to one. Coyotes 22 shots on goal, um, and 11 blocked shots. Uh, Panthers 38 shots on goal with um, eight block shots. Coyotes had 20 face-offs that they won. Panthers had 38. Um, Panthers, five power play opportunities uh, with one converted. The PK for the Coyotes was uh, pretty good. They had uh, two, but they couldn't convert. Um, And then... uh, but unfortunately, the other killer, momentum killer, is that you just can't have nine penalties for 40 minutes on the Coyotes. Um, the Panthers had six for 23. So uh, heavily uh, penalized game for both teams, but 40 minutes. That is um, almost uh, a full... Uh, Almost a full game, really. 40 minutes worth of penalties. Uh, five takeaways and nine giveaways for the Yotes. Um, and the Panthers had two uh, takeaways and five giveaways. 
And like I said, you just you just can't have those mistakes. Um, and some of them are incidental. So you know, well, two of them are incidental. The the penalties called. You just you know th- things don't go your way, and you just got to be more disciplined than that against a uh, team that knocked off the um, um, Bruins in the playoffs last just last year and so this is a, a good Florida team Florida they're now 23 12 and, and two Yotes are 19 15 and two um and uh, like I said you just you, you can't have that uh, a rough way to start a five game homestand um tomorrow the coyotes will be at home against the Islanders uh, so a chance to um, make things better. Um, can't come quickly um, for the Coyotes. It's just one of those games they're just going to learn from it and flush it. Um, here is uh, Kerfoot and uh, Andre Turney uh, spoke to the media after the game. Alex, you guys tied it up in the third there. Can you just kind of walk through what happened after that? Yeah, I mean, tough goal there on the penalty kill they made a great play um felt like i was there but not there enough i guess and i mean that's an elite high level play tip of the far side from that angle um probably took too many penalties today if you give a team like that enough opportunities they're going to capitalize um and then yeah the third period they kind of just took it to us a little bit they had more urgency um a little more detail to their game and um yeah we we didn't respond when you tied that game up though with that shorthanded goal can you just walk us through that and and what you saw and, and how you finished that past Bobrovsky just kind of trying to pressure them at the point um got a stick on it and I mean shorthanded if you if you turn one over oftentimes they they're out of position usually I don't know if they had one on the ice at that time you can get some chances the other way if you have good sticks and Kraus made a bl- great play getting it over there drawing the D-men and um, finish it off. I know obviously a big homestand four games left in this homestand so what do you what do you do to reset and approach the Islanders on Thursday? Just got to reset like you said I mean big homestand big month for us um, playing a lot of good teams and yeah we just got to take it one, ga- one game at a time but definitely try and take care of business at home because it it's going to be a it's going to be a tough stretch with a lot of games against some really good teams but we've we've been playing some good hockey we can't really let one game or, or one period affect us too much we're gonna we'll go over the video clean things up and be ready to go against the Islanders. last one for me you mentioned playing really good teams, but you've played really good teams and beaten really good teams this year too so are you able to draw on that as you continue this month yeah yeah i mean there's there's a lot of of really good teams in this league, teams with playoff aspirations. You don't get many nights off uh, in this league, so you got to be prepared every night. And if you want to stay in the hunt, if you want to keep pushing, you're going to have to beat everyone. Thanks, okay. Alex, you talked about the penalties, uh, the power plays that they got. Was was it just uh, just one of those games with something that they were doing that was leading to those opportunities? Uh, I mean, I think some of them were unfortunate plays. Um, some of them probably we we don't need to take and and yeah and they're a good team they 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 force you to make plays they force you to defend and when you're doing that and you're out of position you're going to take some at times but for sure there was some that 
we could have avoided. I, I mean, on mine, that's probably definitely a penalty. I, I was just trying to stay on side, um, catch him, and that kind of gets us going on the wrong foot. Your basic assessment of this game. How do you break this one down? Well, I think we were in it after two, obviously, not just by the score, by the way we played, scoring, chance, shot, everything. I think in the third we got emotional and we had a tough time to stay focused and keep our composure and stay with it. Did not like our mindset with the puck in the third. I did not like our sustained pressure. Uh, but they score a big goal. They're, they're a really good team. They score a, a big goal of their power play and that... Uh, that hurt, and right away after we scored our own, that that's one light. That one sucked the energy out of us a little bit. Uh, but that those are the kind of thing that happened. It's just, you know, it could have happened to any of our players. It's not a blame on anybody. It's just, it just did happen. And like I said, I did not like the way we bounced back from it. Uh, if I look at that game, there's a lot of positive, a lot of stuff we uh, we can learn off. They, they're a different team. They're, 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 Different breed than a lot of teams. They play with a lot of pace. They, they forecheck a lot. They, um, they have really good stick and they create a lot of turnover. And they play. You need to think extremely quick to play against them. And I think that was. Uh, we'll put that in the experience for us. We need to learn from it. Andre, you mentioned how good of a team there is, and it was tied midway through the third. Is that a positive to take away? Yeah, for sure. You know the. Like I said, after two, we're right in it, and uh, we score shorty at the start. So it was that that was positive. Obviously, it's frustrating we didn't find a way to to, to, to pull away for with it. But uh, there, there's a lot of positive for sure. I know you quickly look to the next game, turn the page. What is it that you look to change or adjust for the Islanders on Thursday? Well, we'll, we'll review the video and. We'll uh, take time to sleep on it and make sure we, uh, we're looking at it and what can we do differently. You know, the island are total different teams, different style. Uh, uh, they're more heavy and closing the metal and that kind of stuff, so we will need to be ready for them. I guess the big takeaway I take is the same that uh, the silver lining that, that Bear is deciding to take, and that is that they did, you know, they, they were tied going into the third and then they, you know, um, it got away from them, um, you know, middle to the, obviously to the end of the third. Um, and the one goal they did was a shorthanded goal. And, you know, anybody that knows hockey knows that that means that, uh, uh, you, um, are, uh, in the penalty and you score anyway. And so that that's that's a big big deal. And considering they, you know, they had five opportunities and they only got one on the penalty. Uh you killed four of uh of five and uh um and then you know one of the ones that that, that you were in the penalty you scored on. So the you know, you obviously, you know, hung with them for as long as you could, but uh, you know, sometimes all the all the things that you didn't do right, they catch up to you, and that's basically um, how it all, uh, how it went down. And and um, again, against a tough opponent, you can't you can't have all that. So they need to uh, uh, get it corrected and uh, uh, move on to uh, tonight against the Islanders. So. Um, or tomorrow, excuse me, tomorrow against the Islanders. Uh, 
But that's everything Yotes I have. We'll go ahead and move on to uh, Cardinals, and that will be up next on Big Sky Sports Talk, unofficially presented by Muya Billings. Well, yesterday being Tuesday was uh, the day that uh, uh, for the final week in the NFL season for the uh, Cardinals um, that the coordinator spoke to the media. So we'll go ahead and get things kicked off um, with uh, the offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing. combination of things i think certainly you know got better play calls in there gave him some opportunities to make some big plays i thought execution was cleaner you know i thought the front front five did a great job really all day of handling those guys so uh just started clicking started getting things going at the right time guys were making big plays so it was exciting to see how important was that in the second half that even in the first half there was some movement of the ball but there were those negative plays that set things back that was virtually i think one play for negative yards in the entire second half Critical. I, I, that's certainly what allows us to get in the end zone. You know, as you said, we were moving the ball well in the first half, but just couldn't find a way to execute when we got down in there tight to get seven every time. And obviously the turnover going into that. But I thought those guys did a really nice job in the second half of minimizing those. Certainly play calls have a big thing to do with that as well. But I was really pleased with that second half performance. I know you've talked many times about the progress Kyler's made and learning things and all that stuff. What difference can it make to him, though, to have a full offseason working with you and understanding all this stuff and, and going through some of this on a, on a lesser scale and OTAs and stuff like that. What, what can that mean to the I think it's big. I think it's big for our relationship, for his understanding of the offense, for his relationship with his teammates, for just getting a feel for how guys come out of breaks and where they're going to be in tough situations and making sure that on-the-field communication uh, is not always going to be verbal and, and kind of have an understanding of body language and some of that stuff I think is huge. So um, certainly going to be a big thing as we move into the offseason. It sounded like Michael Wilson, the miscommunication on that pick, the pick six, um, for a rookie who hasn't had a full season – hasn't had a full season with his quarterback. What do you say after a moment like that to him? It's easy. I mean, he's the type of guy that moves on quickly. Like, hey, we make mistakes. He made a mistake. I make mistakes. Like, that's on me as much as on anyone. Any Anytime we do something like that on offense, that falls on coaches first. So, um, you know, just, hey, move on. We got a big game to play. We're very much in this game. We got a lot of time left. Like, let's go play the next play and not worry about it. And I think him and I really think that whole offense did a great job of doing that and not, you know, flushing it and worrying about the next play. Drew, in terms of where you're at right now with a week to go in the regular season, are you where you thought you'd be or, or where are you in terms of where you were hoping to be? Yeah, I mean, I was hoping to be undefeated, um, but that'll be true every year. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, I think it's it's a good question. I think it's a hard question. You know, so much of what we do is day to day, and I think that has to be our mindset all the time. You know, I think at some point in the off season there might be time to reflect, but I don't think at any point in training camp or in the off season I was like, this is where I want to be in December, or this is where I want to be in September. It's always a, hey, how do we get better today? What, what do I need to do as a coach to make sure I'm putting these guys in the best position? What do we need to do as an offense to make sure we're prepared? for the next day, for the next practice, for the next game. Uh, and, and you really have to stick to that mindset if you're going to reach your potential. I really do believe that. The NFL, so much of the time, if not all the time, is a day-to-day and a week-to-week uh, proposition. And uh, I think the obvious answer would, would certainly be 
Uh, well, we've only won four games, so of course we're not where where we uh, where I thought we should be. Obviously, there's factors in that. Andrew is a quarterback that you've only had for eight eight of the seventeen weeks. Um, you know, other things not working out the way you thought. Um, so there's a lot of factors in that. But you know, the 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 obvious answer, of course, like I said, no. No, we're not where we thought we should be. And uh, you take that and you put it into the off season. Did you still have in the arsenal? You're like, I can't wait to implement this stuff next year or in the off season. That certainly, I, I don't think, does cross my mind strictly because you just the roster in the NFL, injuries in the NFL. There's you just never know where you're going to be, who you're going to be playing against, and how you want to go do that. So. Um, no, I think we, we, you know, anytime we go into a game, we're going to do everything we can to win that game at all costs. Uh, scheme and personnel, you know, obviously play into that. So I don't feel like there's anything, hey, we've been holding this back or not doing that. What do you think is the potential of the one two punch in James Conner and Michael Carter? Yeah, I certainly was really pleased with the way those guys played on Sunday and really pleased with the way that room has played the entire year. I think just the, what they bring to the offense, you know, certainly our ability to run the ball has a lot to do with the other 10 guys on the field as well. But kind of the energy, the effort, the ability physically that you saw throughout the season and kind of on uh, display there on Sunday was dynamic, and, and I think it makes it hard on the defense. Jonathan said yesterday he was didn't know how Kyler was going to react because he hadn't been with him before in terms of not practicing for a couple of days. What was your feeling on that as the week progressed and not having him for those two days? And and then what were your thoughts in terms of how he handled it? And obviously, he played almost as good as he could on Sunday. Yeah, I, I think certainly, you know, the first time you watch a guy, hey, you know he's going to miss Wednesday or Thursday potentially because of the sickness. It's always like, oh, well, haven't been through this, and we got to make sure we do everything to make, in our power to make sure that he's ready. I thought Israel did a great job, and Kyler did a great job of, hey, can you jump on Zoom for an hour so we can go through the base game plan, watch a little tape? I know you're not feeling well and you can't come in the building, but can we get you on, you know, just watch a little tape, make sure you know the reads, make sure you know the footwork uh, on Wednesday, you know, similar on Thursday, so that it felt like even though maybe he didn't get the physical reps, he did have the mental reps and the conversations about what we're thinking, what he's seeing, how those things go together. So it was great to see kind of that effort and involvement come to fruition on Sunday with the performance. Initially, and I was going to say it the other day, initially I wonder if that's, you know, and, and Drew kind of makes my my point a little bit. Initially I wonder if that's why he was so successful because it's not really the physical always that Kyler needs to work on. And, yes, you know, you do need to – you know, rep, rep it, rep it, rep it, rep it. But um, I think uh, for Kyler, a lot of times it's the mental. It's the reason why that clause was was uh, supposedly written into his contract and then um, very foolishly, foolishly written and foolishly got out, but foolishly been was removed, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, some of it you can see that uh, based off of performance, opinion is less of an opinion and more of a fact. But um, I I think that the the um, more so grinding film while you're sick is uh, uh, probably a, a big help for Kyler. That still I think though he's matured in a couple of different ways, um, still where it seems that he lacks and grinding on the film and um, sharpening his his mind. 
because there's still, you know, the um, misreads of, you know, pre-snap read and the post-snap validation that he's missing. And um, I think that's the biggest thing. There's never been a question of can he play football. Yeah, he can play football, but can he uh, do it physically? Yes. Is it a, a mental thing? Seems to be clearly, and I, you know, you don't hope, you know, you'd rather have him out there, of course. Um, uh, but is, is there um, something that he can really reflect on and say, you know what, I need to do better because clearly, yes, I wasn't out there physically, but the big difference was I was able to watch more film than maybe I normally do and I need to be more disciplined there there's only one you know way that would even happen and then that's that's him realizing it because you know nothing that they can say you know you know we think it is you watching more film that really did it you know who knows but I it's something that I think he's got to realize and uh, I wish I would have said that earlier and I was I was honestly truly thinking it maybe that's a thought that you had when I talked about it before where you know Jonathan Gannon was asked about it and you said oh he joked uh you know um during yesterday's show and said oh it was uh what do you think is a Michael Jordan flu game and now I just you know my mind again like I said he was able to watch more tape than he than he normally does and uh, I think that that's a big key to why he's so why he's so successful. And after the game, how he felt in the second half, things really got in a groove and hyper focused in detail. Did, do, you, do you think that he maybe because of the situation last week was even more having more attention to detail and focus than, than normal? Not to say that he's not normally like that. I'd have to. You'd have to ask him that. I mean, I know that's kind of an out, but it's hard to. T- I noticed very little difference in his demeanor, the way he approached the game, the way he honestly went through the week, and and you know, kind of the conversations that we had in person Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You wouldn't have known he didn't practice from that standpoint. Uh, that's a uh, default answer. That you know, that's that's one of those, and you can kind of say, well, you know, that's that's the answer you would you would expect because you don't want to throw the throw that out there and say oh yeah definitely um but that's basically what you know in in my mind what what he's saying the, again confirms that uh what i was thinking um yesterday is a is a same thing that i'm feeling and thinking right now with, with the way you guys had the wide receiver room set up coming into the year and kind of how you got it the depth chart everybody's role has Greg Dorch produced more than you thought he would might be capable of doing that's a tough question I, I think I've been really pleased with just kind of the way he jumped in and didn't miss a beat and I think you've seen that over the last couple of weeks it's he's always ready when his number's called regardless of whether he's in the starting lineup on Wednesday or he happens to be in it midway through the game on Sunday he jumps right in there I think he plays at a really high level you see what he can do with the ball in his hand not only as a returner but you know some of the run after catch that he's made the last couple of weeks has certainly been explosive for our offense so really pleased with that and, and certainly need to wa- want him to continue to grow in that role this past season, you know, as first year as a coordinator, and then 
also what you can take from that going forward in the next year? Yeah, you certainly you try to learn from everything you do, whether it's you know the week to week process with the staff in terms of how we put the game plan together, you know how we operate on the practice field, how we communicate on game day, how we interact with the players. You know, I think every single day that I've been on this job, I've been able to learn something that's hopefully made me a better coach, a better teammate, a better person. Um, you know, lean heavily on the guys that are around me, both players and coaches, in terms of making sure I'm asking them those questions. Hey, is there something you feel like we could do better or communicate better? Or is there something I'm missing? And I think I've gotten great feedback from the players and coaches on that and certainly tried to take that to heart and make sure that I'm doing the best to be the best I can for this organization. Tyler in a press conference talk about a lot of credit to Drew with the play calls. I mean, what, what's going through your mind when he's saying I certainly that? appreciate that. You know, I think it's, I would say probably the opposite sentiment. You know, it, the, the plays are the plays, it's the players that make them work. And I think those guys have done a really nice job lately of going out and making plays and putting us in position to win games. And, you know, certainly he's a huge part of that. Everybody's always heard this and, uh, um, if you haven't, I'm about to tell you, it's not the X's and the O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And, um, basically it's not what the play is. It's the guys executing it. And, um, that's, a, you know, a large part of what it is. Yeah. Plays are great, you know? Um, but football has been around for a while and yeah, you can add some things to it, add some wrinkles, but. It basically comes down to do the guys know what you're what's being called and can they execute it? If they can't, then the play it's not not a good good play. Um and that that's really what it comes down to. And uh um all about the guy the big uglies up front. That's it. But what's your big picture evaluation of Kyler in the last seven weeks separately? Big picture evaluation of this offense and where where it is and where it was when he got there. Yeah, sure. It's a good question. I mean, some we've hit on I think week to week over the last you know the course of the season, and I think he's done a really nice job. I know we've spoken at length about kind of how he's handled things and, and coming off the injury and playing late in the season, and been really pleased with that. I think as we all know, there's things we need to grow on, things he needs to grow on. So I think that's going to be the focus, kind of like we talk about every week, and now just putting in the big picture. It's like, hey, here's what we did well, here's what you did well, here's what I did well. And here's where you, me, and all of us need to improve to get where we want to go next season. I don't think that mindset's going to change very much. Um, so happy with where it is, but certainly, you know, we have a long way to go as well. Offensively, does this season almost feel like two halves, like before Kyler after Kyler? It honestly seems like it's gone. Every year you feel this way. Like week one seems like it was like six seasons ago and like eight years ago. Like it, you barely remember what happened. Like people are bringing up events from those, and it's like, Wow, that seems like a different season, a different year. So I, I wouldn't put it in those terms. I, I've been, you know, it, to me, it's the Arizona Cardinals offense of the twenty twenty three season. I think every year you go through the NFL, you take ups, downs, twists and turns, and that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Have you enjoyed the grind as a coordinator? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. This has been a great year. You know, certainly uh, just the people I've been able to be around, kind of what we've been able to do, who I've been able to work with. It's it's really been, uh, you know, without trying to get too emotional here, it's been pretty special for me. Yes, yes, certainly is. <laughs> First three possessions went. What was the level of confidence of you and the entire offense when you got the ball there with the final one, need the field goal to tie, but a touchdown that potentially went? Yeah, very confident. I think that that's one of the biggest messages I've I've said in that room is in my attitude as a coordinator, and I expect them as players is no matter who we're playing, no matter what the circumstances is, when we touch the ball, we should expect to score a touchdown, at all times every single time. And I think those guys have really embraced that. So I don't think that was any different when we took the game, you know, took the ball in the first 
series of the game or any different when we took it with 2.30 left. I think to say, hey, here are the circumstances. Here's how we're going to go do it. And now we got to go execute. Say it again. Absolutely. And honestly, I feel that way every single time we start a drive. And I really try to instill that in the players. Hey, if we do our job and I call the right plays, we're scoring touchdowns. Like that, that's got to be our mindset. Greg, but what's that thought when he breaks that tackle and all of a sudden now you're really in position to win it where who knows if you know, if he hadn't made those extra yards. Absolutely. That was, that was a big play. I mean, certainly breaking the tackle, staying in bounds, creating that. You know, my first reaction was like, let's go score. Like, he's going to score. We're good. And then quickly, like, probably halfway through his run, I'm like, all right, I need a play call for whatever's like, are we in the 15, are we in the 10, are we in the 5? Because certainly that changes the dynamic of time left on the clock, timeouts, what you need to do to go score. But I think our mindset always in a three-point game is, hey, we got to go win the game. You know, it's, we're not playing for a field goal. We're playing to win the football game. Thanks, Coach. All right, let's go ahead and move on and to defensive coordinator Nick Rollis. What was your phone like uh, after the game, if we might ask? What sort of feedback did you get? Um, yeah, there's a lot of people, you know, congratulating you on the win. That, that happens a lot, I feel like. Usually when you win, you get a lot of texts. When you lose, there's two people that text you. It's your wife and your mom. <laughs> that stays consistent, you know what I'm saying? So... Um, yeah, a lot of people usually text you when they win. It's cool. You know, uh, Sam had a good point. He said, "I try to make the, I try to make a, a very intentful decision to text people, text other coaches that are my buddies when they lose, because hey, you know, keep pushing, whatever." So I thought that was kind of cool. You know. When you're down on the field and you are hearing the fans boo Philly on timeout, not being ready, whatever it might be, are you at least internally, you know, a little prideful of like, okay, like th this is because of what we're doing and how we're playing? Um, no, nah, I can't, I can't say that I'm prideful with, with booze happening. Um, I think, you know, if the flow of the game was going good for us, that's, you feel good about that. And times where we were kind of up against it, they were moving the ball, you don't feel as good. I don't think I really noticed uh, the booze per se, the fans and stuff. Um, so yeah, it's more flow of the game for me that kind of gets me feeling a certain way, not the not the fans. How, uh, how looped in were you on the onside kick, like knowing okay, if this doesn't work, we're going to be defending a short field and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, and this should making your yeah just happen. And no, I was uh, no JG does a really good job communicating that. Um, I thought I did a good job of acting like I wasn't really paying attention to the to the kick. You know, good act job by me. Um, but yeah, I was very very aware of hey, if you got to just defend a short field here, you know, time left in the game. How do we want to play that? He JG does a really good job of going back and forth between all the lines. So yeah. How impressive do you feel that it is compared considering how good offensively they? Yeah, you know, the yards isn't the thing you're going to have. Let's keep the you, you want to you win the game. So obviously you walk away from that saying, man, I, we did a good job as a team doing what we need to do to win the game. Uh, the offense did a great job of controlling the clock and, you know, keeping us out of the field. That was a very low amount of plays that we had to defend, which is a really good thing. You know, you want your offense out there. You want the defense on the bench. So, um, you know, it was, it was good, um, good complimentary football. I uh, appreciate the offense for, for doing a good job. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the score is ultimately what you're looking at, but that's a really good offense. And, um, 
was was excited that we were able to go in the really tough crowd, tough environment with a playoff team that's a Super Bowl contender and come away with a win. I know going into this one, kind of going off of Danny's question about you know, this being just another game, but after the game, a lot of the guys were saying that there was a little extra oomph in a sense because of you and JG and a lot of the other guys going back. Now that this season, now that that game's out the way and the season's kind of coming to a close, to have that sort of support from the guys in the locker room for you specifically and personally, what does that mean to you? Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate that they felt that way. Ultimately, though, it was, it was about us going in there and getting a win as a team. It had nothing to do with, with JG or myself. Um, but that, that support, it, it does mean a lot, you know. You ultimately do this job to make the players better, to help you win as a team. And I feel like if, if they feel that um, if I feel like it's that kind of support that they feel like myself, the rest of the coaching staff is is doing a good job of putting them in positions, making them better players, and um, getting this thing on the right track to win games. What, what went into the decision to not have a Cam Thomas active for the game? Um, you know, there's a lot of factors that play into that. Ultimately, you got to ask JG about the um, ultimate final roster decisions on game day. But it's is you know a lot of factors that play into it as far as roles on defense, what you need to do on defense um, for the game, special teams, everything like that. So that's something that, you know, week to week can vary with every position. As you get to the point of having to evaluate the season, with position groups like the defensive line where you really wanted to have a rotation, you had a lot of injuries. You know, there were games where you didn't have Buda and JT on the field together. How comprehensive can you really look at this defense when it felt like it was hard to have consecutive weeks of really being healthy and, and maybe having the game plan that you were envisioning at the start of the year because you were dealing with so many injuries? Um, I'm not quite there yet. I'm focused on Seattle. But, um, you know, when I do reflect back on that, that is the NFL. You know, you never have the same guys up for a game. Um, week to week, you know, there's going to be injuries, there's going to be changing, you know, who's active, who's inactive. So um, that's part of being adaptable. Uh, you have to be able to know, hey, I want to get to this with these guys. And, you know, what's your backup plan? What's your what's your shoe plan, right, as we've talked about in here? Um, you have to be able to be flexible with your game planning on a week to week basis with the opponent you're playing and who you have available as well. So I'd say it's just it's standard to this league, and you better get used to it because it, it's, par it's part of it. It's, every team goes through it. Can you put in perspective how hard of a move it was for Zavin to go from inside to outside of this level of football? Yeah. Um, how hard of a move it was, you know, I would say anytime you move positions, there's just going to be a little bit of a um, transition process to it. But that is, it wasn't difficult for him on a lot of different levels. He did a lot of that stuff in college. Um, he's obviously, he has the skill set to do it. And his intelligence is through the roof. So um, for him, I would say it's a smooth transition. It's a matter of mastering all the techniques and the different um, requirements of that position as time goes. And like I've said, we actually have him do probably above and beyond what that uh, the standard you know job requirement for that position of moving them all over the place, asking them to do things in, in coverage and rush that you wouldn't normally ask that position to do. So um, he's ascending with his game in every element, the run game, pass rush, dropping into coverage. And, you know, that was a, it was a, 
looking back, I'm really glad we did it because it was it was a huge benefit for us to have him um, in that spot. Do you know when you've gotten here, starting evaluating the roster, that you, that's something you wanted to do, or what was the process of that? Um, yeah, watching the tape um, from previous years, but also obviously I was very familiar with Zaven from coming out the year he came out, and I had an idea in my head, but. Ultimately, it was a you know a decision as a full staff. JG, Monty, everybody is like that was was looped in on it, and um, you know Zaven. We talked to Zaven about it and everything like that. So it was a, it wasn't just like ah, I was fixed in my mind that I wanted to do that or I stumbled into it. Um, it was something that I knew was a possibility, and you know we kind of made it as a collective uh, organization un unit. Last question: Did you? How long did it take for him to kind of get into that? How far into the season did you realize, like, okay, this guy has it? Was it immediately? Was it a few weeks? Yeah, it was immediately. I knew it. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it was immediate. You could see it on the practice field, OTAs. You settled in as a coordinator this year. It's the first time doing it. How's it been? Um, it's been it's been great. It's been smooth, and I would thank my staff and the players for that. Um, I think ultimately, what what can make things um, go. Easier, I shouldn't say it's easy because this job in this league is is difficult. But um, when you have really good players, when you have players with high football character, when you have really good leaders, um, when you have a staff that's highly intelligent but flexible and wants to keep alignment, it it makes things just all about ball. And so I can't say I was ever really distracted from the job description, description which is you know put the defense in the best position to win games, and I was able to focus on that for the entire season because of the people around me. So, um, you know, I had a blast, obviously, in, in year one, but it was, it, was, it was due to the people around me, I would say. Everybody is grinded in their position coaches, quality control coaches. Um, it's just, it's different, you know, it's, it's your day-to-day -day is different, your routine is a little bit different. Um, how you think, have to think about the game is, is slightly different, but, you know, I can say being under JG for the previous couple of years really helped me um, get ready for that that role. Somewhat overlooked was in everything that happened was that you guys stopped them on one of their push plays. And so, what was your reaction to that? Even though, of course, they then made it on fourth down. My reaction was, "Dang it, that was only third down, not fourth down." Here we go again. Um, yeah, it's a tough play to defend. They're they're really good at it. Um, I thought our guys did a really good job. You know, you're gonna. There was play, there was reps of that. They had a couple of them, obviously, where you look, you're like, oh, that's a really good job by by the D line right there. Hey, outside linebacker, great job, and they're they're still able to get it. It's it's such a it's there's very little room for error. So, but I was I was happy with with how our guys um, battled on all of those plays, and that one was was a good was obviously the best one because it at least got it to fourth down. We had another shot at it, you know. The tush push. Or for Philly, the brotherly shove has been absolute money for Philly. Um, and um, not not many teams have been able to stop it. And unfortunately, the Cardinals weren't able to stop it twice. Um, but to stop it once, you know, considering the... Um, uh, reputation that it has had amongst the fans and throughout the league. Um, it's, you know, it's a big deal. And uh, 
Uh, unfortunately, they couldn't do it, do it twice. But um, I think uh, even as a fan watching it live, you're like, oh, man, I'm glad they did it on third down. Wonder if they can do it again. Oh, no, they didn't. <laughs> but, um, and, it, you know, you do kind of feel like he does. Oh, man, I wish that was fourth down. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you do walk away with a little bit of pride, especially, again, like it's been virtually unstoppable um, for the Eagles. Oh, it's, it's huge, you know. Um, they do a great job of it. It really is like a rugby scrum. And, you know, our, our D-line did a good job of, of getting low. And, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of details to it beyond pad level, but that was, that's a huge critical piece that kind of starts it off with, with the line of scrimmage. How valuable is he to this defense? Where is he? Highly valuable, very highly valuable um, on a lot of different levels. Um, leadership, obviously, that's the kind of the obvious one that I think you can even see from an outsider perspective. But... We ask him to do a lot of things, and it's he does it with ease. Um, he can play down in the box. He can blitz. He can play deep zones. He can play man on the slot. Um, when you have a guy with versatility like that that also plays like a missile and hits the ball, like you're in, you're in good hands. You know, yeah, phenomenal player. What kind of resources have you get from the younger guys, especially kind of a, a role model? Like they first seeing yes. him play and do everything. Well, he he is a great. He does a great job as a leader from the perspective of, okay, he sets the standard. He is the role model. Um, he's going to, you know, help guys along and make sure that they're getting better in their games along with himself. But the accountability with him, to me, really pops out. Um, he holds everyone to a standard, and he holds them accountable, players, coaches, everybody. And I think that's really where his, his leadership excels is – that accountability piece because he holds himself to a very high standards and he, and he lives it. Um, I don't think there was a day uh, since we started that he was not who you think he is. He shows up every single day as Buda Baker and he, exp he demands that from everyone else. And I think that's why he is who he is. Second time through with the Seahawks, has anything changed with them? Personnel-wise, uh, game-wise, anything different? Um, no, I mean, they're running the same offense. They've had some injuries along the way. Um, you know, Gino was out for a couple games, but uh, similar, very similar offense. Um, you know, good offense, a lot of good skill players. Uh, they're able to run the ball. The back is phenomenal. Um, he's one of the best runners, I think, in this league. His ability to make cut is pace patient. He can make cuts on a dime. And then, like, when he when he's time to go, he is going to run through you. Um, so you got to go, do a good job with keeping a cup on him, getting around his hamstring, tackling him, um, because he can create explosives in the run game. So very similar offense from the first time around. Obviously, everyone changes, and you know there's some subtle subtlety differences, but yeah, overall pretty pretty similar. I don't think we saw too much of the rookie running back the last time. This time, I mean, you probably see more on him. Is he kind of a change of pace guard? Does he kind of do similar things as Walker? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he there well, the thing that I think that they both do really well is is make cuts. Like you cannot take bad tracks on these guys, otherwise they're gonna make you pay, cross your face and lead to explosive plays. So um, you know, anytime you got two backs that can that can run run the ball, it keeps them fresh, keeps them in there. Um it's not a uh 
overly different style of runner per se, but they are different runners, you know. So there's always a change of change of pace to that in that sense. But um, yeah, both really good runners with the ball, I would say, and they're both guys that can um, create explosives if you don't take good angles. Yeah, Owen probably had his best game. Um, I thought it's just comfort level with execution was there to where you didn't see him um, making any mistakes, really. You didn't see him playing slow because obviously Owen's got uh, great physical tools, but when you're having to think and you, you don't know, no, um, it can slow you down a little bit, and that didn't show up at all in this game, and that was his highest number of snaps. So uh, very pleased with where he was or where he, you know, got to that previous game. I think it was a jump, and I think he's going to continue to make a jump. He's going to keep working. He's got things he knows he wants to take his game to the next level. Um, but I was pleased with that, and I'm excited to see where he's going to go here this next week. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to uh, Jeff Rogers. How much, uh, how much did you guys talk ahead of time about that onside, late game onside kick situation? How much came up later in terms of what Jonathan was looking for, which was essentially to shorten the field for them and potentially give you guys more time. Yeah, I would say that when we first talked about it early in the week, it wasn't this is the situation we want to run it in, right? Like there's a variety of things that could come up in a game. Uh, we liked the look based on the tape that we had seen, and um, we haven't really done anything like that with our kickoff team. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was something that we started kind of talking about in the fourth quarter and um, just different ways it could end, wh whether we scored touchdowns, scored field goals, um, how's the look been throughout the uh, week and or throughout the game. And then when it was go time, we uh, decided to do it. When you have a game with zero punts, do you just tell Blake Gilkin to just stay warm or what do you kind of tell your punter in those situations? Uh, I mean, I was kind of aware that we hadn't punted, but it's kind of like the no-hitter thing, like don't bring it up. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an important job, obviously, to punt. It's an important job to hold. I've experienced that a couple of times. Um, I mean, you just always got to be ready. Like, those guys kick so many footballs into the net because – it wasn't like we never got to third down, right? And uh, we were ready to punt, but just didn't come up. How do you think he's kind of assimilated into the team knowing he came midway through the season? I think Blake's done a decent job. Um, it's always a new operation when, <clears throat> when you're dealing with a new snapper as a punter and then be in the middle of the battery on the field goal stuff with, you know, the snap hold and kick part. I mean, that, that – it's similar, but it's not the same with everybody. The ball, you know, how it how it comes back, what the miss potentially might be, um, how Prater likes it, uh, you know. So that part of it took a couple of weeks to to get to where you know we felt really good about it, and then the punt stuff. I mean, he's he's obviously punted well. When you look at, at Matt, take out like what he wants to do. How much does he have left? How many years do you think he can still kick? at this level from what you've seen from him and kind of your years of knowledge? I mean, every year is different. I would I would just say I don't see it slowing down next year. We've talked a few times about how the rules have impacted the return game, both on points and kickoffs, that kind of thing. Um, a guy like Devin Hester is 
up for the Hall of Fame. Obviously, he was a game changer. Do you see a scenario where somebody like that could still come along, or is that time coming past? I think Devin Hester's one of one. Um, and, you know, with those guys, you, know, you look at all the Hall of Fame finalists, and I hope they all get in. They're all really good players. I don't know that anybody that's nominated this year changed the game like Devin did. Um, from a punt return perspective, like 14 touchdowns or something, I mean, it's, it's just absurd. And I'm sure there was a couple called back, but he changed the way that punters were being coached. He changed the way punt teams were being coached. The directional punter came into the league. Uh, and there were guys who were directionally punting, but it's like, dude, punt this out of bounds. And you, you know, as a, as a team's coach, you'd hear the head coaches I was working for or around the league say, I don't care if it goes 30 yards, just punt it out of bounds. You know, and it's the same thing, the impact of field position on the kickoff return stuff. Like you had guys pop kicking and stuff. And, you know, the ball may be at the 35-yard line, which is not what the goal is. But against him, coaches were saying at least he didn't score. Um, I don't think there's anybody that's been like him. I don't know that there'll be another one like him. Um, when I evaluated him coming out, um, used to be before the um, before everything was digitized. So I'd come back with this stack of like 30 beta tapes, and I had to record every single one of his returns. And the year before, I did Roscoe Parrish, and we thought he was the best returner uh, in the draft. He was a Miami kid as well. And it was, this kid's the best, but he's not the best one on his team. Because I went ahead and just did it because I pulled all the tape, and I'm definitely doing this guy next year. Um, and he's, you know, he, he's special. Um, it would be a shame, I, I think, to take, if somebody like that comes along again, and they, you know, the kickoff rule changes dramatically, that, that, would, be a, that would be a shame. You were with him in Chicago, right? I was not. Nope. Evaluated him coming out, played against him. A few times, um, it's just a different week when he's the guy sitting back there. Can you expand a little bit more on how team, how he changed, how coaches coach and punt? <clears throat> well, you see the plus fifty stuff that guys do now, right? Like, there's not a single punter in the league that doesn't hit the rugby style punt. That only happened in the plus fifty. Um, Darren Bennett's the one who brought in the league. And then Mike Cyphers, who was on the team with Darren Bennett, he kind of was the next guy. And Leckler was in the division, so he kind of developed. And then all of a sudden, it exploded. And it was probably 2011. And those punts don't go as far, which is why guys don't do them all the time. Now, some of these guys, like the guy we're playing this week, he can punt the heck out of it using that style. But um, it was basically hit that ball, so at least your coverage team is close to where he may fair catch the ball. Um, because most people who are just watching football are watching the ball get to his hands. And they're saying, why would you kick it to him? They're not trying to kick it to him. Like, Tiger Woods has stood on the tee box in his prime and missed the fairway. Like. It happens. Um, 
and it still happens now, right? I mean, guys miss hit the ball or go somewhere else. The difference was that particular player's skill set made you pay. As a longtime coordinator yourself, um, just any observations or thoughts on uh, on Drew and, and Nick and what you've seen from them in their first year in those positions? Evaluating the offense and defensive coordinator at the end of the season. Um, probably going to stay away from that. They've. They've been good staff guys. We communicate well. Um, that's kind of my interaction, the day-to-day -day stuff. I'm not in their meetings or the game plan meetings. Um, they're not in mine. You know, we all have, have stuff to do. But um, just on a day-to-day -day basis, game day, those types of things, it's been good interaction. Everything's been positive, and the, and the communication's been really open between the three of us and the head coach. Jeff, when you're kicking off into the end zone, and we see it every day, every weekend, all the time, mm -hmm. kickers kicking out of the end zone, Offense gets ball at 25. Is there a strategy involved in maybe not kicking it in the end zone and forcing them to return the ball and pinning them back a little bit? Yeah, at times there is. And there's teams we've played, we've tried to keep the ball in play. Um, we didn't do that much at all last year. And, you know, so between the kicks that people were returning against us because they were landing in play, like maybe Matt got underneath or whatever, I think we finished in the top five, like, start point, right? So. And some of this stuff had to do with penalties because the the frequency of returns has gone significantly down in recent years. So when you do see a ball, right, the returner's like, heck yeah, we finally got one. We got action. Um, the guys who are blocking for them, it's new for them. Like, it's a full speed rep. You can't simulate that stuff in practice and training camp in the off season. So, uh, as a coach, like we had three this past past week, and two we got outside the 25. One was uh, was just inside, nothing inside the 20. But like you're really hoping, first of all, there's no penalties because it's just different at, at a full speed uh, rep. Um, yeah, there's there's merit to that, and the difference between this year and previous years is the return team couldn't do anything about it. I used to say when you're talking about returners. Like a punt returner has complete control over whether or not he's going to return this or not, right? Like people are like, hey, this guy's a really good returner. He's our starting wideout. What should we do? He's in total control. He can fair catch it all the time. Kick return, the ball was in play. You had to return that. You did not have control. You do now as a return team because you can fair catch it without um, sacrifice and field position. So there's a little bit of a cat and mouse deal, but you know, I talked about it a couple weeks ago and then it happened. Um, Houston had a kickoff return touchdown. You've seen some other return touchdowns coming late in the year, and it's because of the weather. It's because of the personnel. Um, when you have a dominant returner going against guys that haven't tackled live kickoffs in a while, as a return team, sometimes you want to be aggressive. It just depends on who you're playing, what you think your matchups are. Back to Hester for a second. Was he so good that it almost? I never want to say it doesn't matter, but he. It almost didn't matter who the blocking or anything that he was still able to make plays, whatever was happening with with the rest of his you know, return team. One of his kickoff return touchdowns was the hands team blocking for him. And you go back and look at the personnel they used on punt return, and and I've been a part of it before when we've you know had a good year returning uh, punts, like. Tillman's out there blocking for him at corner. Like those guys are like, I want to be on the field. I want to be part of the reason why we score. Um, yeah, I mean, his skill set is elite and one of a kind.
the guys blocking for them certainly get a lot of credit, you know, for not screwing the play up. Uh, and a lot of them probably had blocks to spring that guy. But uh, it's a culture changer when internally, when you have a guy that is having success like he always had, because guys embrace that stuff and it, it gets contagious. All right, that's uh, everything with the uh, coordinators. Um, let's go ahead and transition to uh, a couple different things via Arizona Sports. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigly Blast. Jonathan Gannon won his own private Super Bowl Sunday in Philadelphia. His team went on the road and beat the stuffing out of his former employers. He might have laid the groundwork for the firing of his good buddy, Nick Sirianni, who never once stood up and supported Gannon during the worst of times. And if Gannon is remotely human, he must be marinating in the satisfaction of muzzling and shutting down a vitriolic fan base that had blamed him for everything after that Super Bowl loss to the Chiefs. Well, guess what? Philly can certainly point the finger at Gannon now because he was a big part of the reason the Eagles lost on Sunday. But inside this grudge match, a lot of other great things happened. You saw a vintage game plan from the young offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing. You saw the makings of a powerful one-two combination at running back in James Conner and Michael Carter. And imagine where this team might be next season with real financial investment on the defensive side of the ball. And in the end, this was a day that Kyler Murray removed all doubt. His decision to troll the city of Philadelphia by wearing a Sid Crosby jersey was both cutthroat and epic, and his performance not only backed it up, it made it clear to me that he is the team's quarterback of their new future. And after that second half in Philadelphia, I would be stunned if Jonathan Gannon didn't feel exactly the same way. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. Find them online at chapmanbmw.com. I'm happy for the players, honestly, Jeff. You know, obviously the year has been a tough year. Um, we don't, we didn't do enough to earn the right to play in January. Um, so, you know, I was really proud of them. Down 21-6 versus a good team. You know, you could lay down there and get beat by 30. Our guys did not do that, so really just happy for the guys, how they responded all week, and um, a good win on the road versus a good football team. That's uh, Jonathan Gannon Sunday after the win. Yeah. The Arizona Cardinals are 4-12 and 12 right now going into their mm-hmm. last game of the season. This is not the first time in Arizona Cardinals history that a team has been 4-11, and 4-12 and 12 at this point of the calendar. But it feels a lot different than those other times, doesn't it? There have been many five-win coaches, or worse, in Cardinal history. I don't think any of them can claim to have made the progress that that Jonathan Gannon has. You heard Kyle Vandenbosch, who is a a man's man, a pro's pro, a football player who who survived on motor and passion and heart and love for the game. And and you, you can hear what he thinks about this head coach because... Jonathan Gannon has been steadfast in a couple of different things. Number one, keeping his emotions under control. Mm -hmm. He's never too high, never too low, certainly on the sideline. Um, He's always taken accountability. He's never glossed himself. He's always made it about the players. Um, Somebody either gave him some good advice or he is very, very smart. Because when he sat down, um, he was very much, I would say, 
not necessarily comparable to Cliff Kingsbury. He wasn't in the way that Cliff Kingsbury was a stunning hire, like this guy doesn't deserve it. Jonathan Gannon paid his dues, but at the same time, he was the last guy in of a cycle, didn't think he was going to get a job, got mm-hmm. it under some pretty bad circumstances that cost the Cardinals some draft capital. And I think the way he's responded to pretty much everything is pretty darn terrific. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, regardless of what happened Sunday against Seattle. Yeah. I, I think there's, you know, with with what happened last week, that becomes a more interesting game, certainly. And closing out at home, but uh, you touched on it with with Kyle Vandenbosch too, and you've used the word underfunded all season long to talk about this defense. Mm-hmm. And as injuries have are. set in, there are, I mean, it just needs everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to go paint too glowing of a picture today, because there are some players that are not holding their weight mm-hmm. on, on that defense. Um, you know, the, the cornerbacks have been challenged all year, and I think you're going to see a completely different Marco Wilson is gone. Marco it Wilson is gone. Uh, his dream come true to get picked up by the New England Patriots. Yeah. yeah um, but, you know, Starling Thomas, an undrafted rookie, has played a lot of snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think everywhere other than safety, they have massive needs. Zaven Collins, I was watching that game on Sunday, and he got held on a play by an offensive lineman. And that was the first time I noticed Zaven Collins even on the I know. field. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, on the other edge, Dennis Gardeck has done virtually nothing to impact the game no. over the last month. No. The defensive line, kudos to those guys. There's been a lot of guys plugged in and out. You know, the Roy Lopez's of the world, the Kevin Strong's, Jonathan mm-hmm. Ledbetter. Mm-hmm. A lot of those guys, I think, have overachieved. Chris Barnes is a linebacker. Chris Barnes is a linebacker. Yeah, right, right. Um, but, man. Where do you start on that defense? Is it on the right. edge or is it at the corner? Well, they've got needs at the highest priced, most um, elite uh, areas in football, cornerback and edge rusher. Mm-hmm. They they need both. Yeah. And so it, that's and, – and I'm hoping that, that, that this season and this performance I'm, – I'm guessing maybe payroll was kept in check this year because of all the bills of, mm-hmm. of buying out – coaches and and all that stuff and then and then the you know the massive deal given to the quarterback I'm hoping that that the reaction from Michael Bidwill to this season will be exactly like Ken Kendrick with the Diamondbacks okay you proved it you deserve it here you go here's some money go spend it and let's face it going into this season they knew they weren't going to have Kyler Murray for a portion of it so the expectations could only be so high so to invest a lot of money into this year's team when it could be invested next year might have been the better plan anyway. All right. Let me play devil's advocate, though. If you want to use the Diamondbacks as an example, and I say this somewhat with a smirk on my face, it's easy for Ken Kendrick to open up the checkbook after you get to game five of the World I know. Series I know. and say, all right, we're close. I know. It could be a lot harder to identify how close the Cardinals are because we might be talking about a four and thirteen team next next Monday. But they show. could be four and four with Kyler Murray or three and five True. with Kyler Murray, True. which is a big difference than the overall season. With wins on the road at Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Which Not is... only that, but we talked about the building of identity, becoming a smash mouth mm-hmm. running football oh, team. Yeah. With the way that offensive line performed uh, kudos to them, and I can't believe I've gone this long without tipping my cap to those guys and what they Same. did. Yeah, uh, they were really I thought they, they were the outstanding. But mm-hmm. they've put up over 200 yards rushing this year on Dallas, San Francisco, and Philadelphia, three of the top teams in the NFC. That's unbelievable. That is something to hang a hat on. But it also leads you to the question, does that 
belief in that identity, does it make sense to pay a playmaking quarterback in Kyler Murray $46 million a year moving forward if you could plug somebody else in at a lesser figure if that's going to be your identity? Oh, I, I mean that might yeah, be a that, I, that, that's definitely a conversation I, for later on. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I think that's undervaluing what the quarterback me even in that situation, even in the smash mouth vein. I think that's yeah. undervaluing the quarterback. Look, I just position. think you have to examine no, examine all angles. It's fair. And I'll be I'll be completely honest with you. My experience in watching that game unfold on Sunday, early on, there was a stretch with the pick six. Again, mm-hmm. we don't know whose fault it was. Mm-hmm. Um. And there was also another sit-down sack where there was not a whole lot of contact, mm-hmm. and Kyler Murray went down, and I'm like, oh, jeez, are we going to get past this? And yeah. after that point, mm-hmm. the guy was nails. Yeah. Yeah, listen, uh, I, that's what I – yeah, he, he got on the heater in that second half, mm-hmm. and to do it under those conditions after trolling the city of Philly, Philly says a lot to me. And look, I know what we're talking about here. I know there's a subset of, of fans out there who are still shaking their head. No, he's he's not. He's not the quarterback. I, I get it. I get it. You're entitled to that opinion, but I, I, I don't think if you if you don't see the good of what he put on the field no. uh, on Sunday, then I don't know what to tell you. I do. Uh, it just wasn't from, no, I got fr- from the first snap of the game. That's no, all. it's true. Thanks for watching. Um, interesting point there, especially in, in there near the end. Um, they, they've, it's, you know, they've done well on the running game and that's, what's frustrating about it is that it hasn't been consistent. And so, um, and I know, um, Vince is not, you know, undervaluing a, a quarterback, um, but obviously, you know, the thought and the option of moving on from Kyler is certainly uh, very prevalent. Um, if they were going to, I think they should have done it already well before he got paid. Um, or maybe after they got paid and, and trade. I don't know. W- when the demand was a lot higher. Um, now I think you're kind of stuck with them and you just got to make it work. It's your best interest to make it work. Um. But uh, because the running game is so inconsistent, you know, you you can't really say, oh, okay, we're gonna go on the on the on the running uh, path and 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 win a bunch of games here, um, and and you know, we'll just have a filler quarterback. I don't know how successful that would be. Um, and uh, let's go on to Wolf and Luke and hear what they have to say. Um, a, a gentleman filling in for for Wolf that will be introduced right off the bat, though. Williams is in for Wolf today, and I know Scott. I'm sure you heard it a bunch last week too. Everybody's saying, "Oh, it's just it's just the same old game." Jonathan Gannon, it's just another game we're playing. Oh yeah, we're going to Philadelphia. Where's that? Like it was, just, um, and and I'm not saying that there wasn't some truth to that's how they needed to approach it. But you can't tell me after watching that game on Sunday where the Cardinals went in there and put up 35 on the Eagles and ran 25 more plays and had 175 more yards and the reaction of the players after the game, you can't tell me there was at least a little bit extra to shut up Philly fans when it comes to Jonathan Gannon. This team, I know they've been playing hard, and we'll get into that, but they, they took it to another level on Sunday in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, I was in last week. We were talking about the remaining three games. And I was like, oh, it's the Bears. They're going to get that Bears game. I don't think they can win in, in Philly, and I don't think they can beat Seattle. 
and they went to Philly, yeah. and like you said, put up 449 yards. Unbelievable. Scored 35 points. Kyler Murray has a passer rating of nearly 120. <laughs> and you can't tell me those guys didn't want to win that for their coach. And for a team with only three wins, this late in the season was week 17. Mm-hmm. You know, professional athletes, as much as they say we're going to go out there and be a pro, Eh, you try to get, you know, you, you you act like you're going through the motions and you don't always get it done. Not this group. They're going to play to the final horn of Week 18. So uh, it was impressive to see them, I guess, rally to support their coach that Philly fans, which and I played in Philly for five years. I know all about the Philly <laughs> you fans. You know Trust Philly me. fans. Oh, they love booing me. I missed my first shot. They get on me. Uh, and... That is special to go back there with, you know, you got the support of all your mates, your your players, and, and to get that kind of a, a victory was, you know, impressive. It shows that this team is going to support their coach. Yeah. No, it's, it, you're so right. And we've, we've seen it. I mean, like we've talked about this before. The Cardinals last year actually had a slightly better record. It wasn't like anything amazing, but, but it felt so much worse last year. Uh, and it felt worse by like early November, honestly. There was, there was weirdness around that team in training camp last year. But the one thing that they have done consistently this season, I don't know if it's because they got a jolt because Kyler Murray came back midseason, whatever, but they have been playing hard even going into this game. I, I mean, I thought they still they played hard against the Niners. They're just not as good as the Niners right now. I thought that they, you know, they didn't give up in the Bears game. Now you end up losing, but I mean, they, there was still fight in the second half. Anybody who watched this team closely last year knows full well that that wasn't there consistently last year. And I'm not saying it wasn't there from anybody. Like James Conner, obviously, it was there from him last year, and it's there from him this year. And, in fact, here's James Conner after the game. Yeah, we wanted to get it for him for sure. You know, uh, you know, obviously, coming, this is where you're coming from, and uh, so we know it's a little bit extra special. Super thankful we could get it done for Coach. But So he just said it right there, getting it done for Coach. But there were players on this team last year that are here this year that look different. <laughs> and and then, obviously, the guys they brought in look different. Just in general, this team, it'll be interesting to see how they play against Seattle. They have a chance to maybe take Seattle out of the playoffs next weekend. Um, it's just it's been refreshing to see them keep fighting each and every week. And this week, it totally paid off. I mean, I don't know about you, but when the schedule came out for the Cardinals at the start of the, you know, in the offseason, looking at it, you're like, okay, well, you know, maybe they can surprise some teams, but going into Philly on New Year's Eve, knowing how much Philly wanted to beat Gannon and how much that fan base wanted to beat Gannon, that was probably other than the San Francisco games, the one I thought was going to be the least winnable on that schedule. Yeah, and before I follow up on your comic, I just say that dude Connor. Yeah, he's he's, oh, he's the man. He's a beast. That dude <laughs> can run that football, and I, you know, like I said, you. Heck, I think my 20-year-old uh, daughter might know more about the, all the players in the NFL and <laughs> football. Uh, but I watch this guy, and I say he plays hard. He runs well. He's got great f- vision on that field. Uh, I enjoy him. Second part of, of what you said is I, I love the fact that these guys are pros. The culture uh, of the Cardinal has changed from where it was with Cliff Kingsbury, and that is going to serve them well moving forward. When you start changing the culture and the dynamic around the entire organization and guys enjoy 
coming to work regardless of what the record is, that's an impressive thing to be able to do in a short period of time like these guys have pulled it off. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the most impressive part of the season. I get it. I understand they're 4-12. and 12, And, yes, I understand that they may have just cost themselves Marvin Harrison Jr. We'll talk about that later <laughs> in the show. We will talk about that because I want Marvin Harrison Jr. too. But I think there's a lot of value to winning when you can win and, and having that winning culture. And I, I know you can't measure it tangibly, but what you just said, Scott, to me is the is the biggest thing they could do this season is change the culture. The culture was miserable last year. And that's not something – it's not as simple as, well, we got a new coach and we got a new GM, so it'll change. It, it'll change a little. It doesn't guarantee it's going to get better. I mean, what if – what if they looked the same right now? What if they were 4-12, and 12, but they were just kind of sleepwalking through these games and guys were getting in trouble and players weren't holding themselves or each other accountable? Anybody that watched the Cardinals last year, whether you're happy that they won on Sunday or not, well, we all agree this team looks different now than they did a year ago at this time. And that doesn't guarantee a Super Bowl next year. I'm not saying that, but the, you, this was you can't take the other steps until you take this step. And, and they're finally taking a step. Here's Kyler Murray after the game. I mean, in a sense, yeah, it was just another game. But um, no, nah, it wasn't just another game. You know, I think uh, I know he wanted to win it really badly. Just, uh, you know, not not alma mater, but, you know, previous team. Uh, yeah, no, nah, I, I, I I would want to win it, you know, so I know the guys felt that energy from him and we wanted to come out here um, and do it for him. So they did <laughs> they put up 35 in Philly. I mean, that's got to be that much sweeter. He was the defensive coordinator in Philadelphia. He leaves. Now, I understand Philly fans. It, there's a distinction here. If you're saying he didn't if you're saying Jonathan Gannon messed up in the second half of the Super Bowl, that's fine. I mean, you obviously lost the game. If you're telling me that you lost the Super Bowl because Jonathan Gannon became took a head coaching job somewhere. <laughs> guys take head coaching jobs you got to get over it and you were facing Patrick Mahomes but from Gannon's perspective I know he said all the right things last week but you're telling me he don't want to go in there and put up 35 on the new defensive coordinator that is supposedly so much better than you although I know Eagles fans don't love Matt Patricia either but you get the point yeah no and I, I was doing a little research and like okay where does this 35 points fall well, the Eagles aren't that good defensively. Yeah. They are, are the only team that's got more than four wins in the NFL that have allowed over 400 points on the season. So, you know, maybe it's it's a little overblown putting 35 points on this team. But you know what? For a team with only three wins on the season to go in there and do that in January, it, you know, that's, that's doggone impressive. So I, I look at it more like – when I first got into the NBA, I had veterans like Paxson, Cartwright, Jordan, always talk about and preach about being a professional. And it's easy to say that, yeah, always be pro, but it's another thing to go out there and do that when you're struggling, the team is losing, and the fans are kind of getting on you, and Kyler Murray goes out there and fumbles the ball on the first drive and throws a pick six. After that, a 99-yard pick six. They could have hung their heads and just said, okay, let's finish out these you know, remaining minutes of this game, get on the bird, and go back to the Arizona. But they didn't. They kept fighting, and that's impressive. And that's when you know you got a real culture change. you got guys that are buying into being professionals. That pick six, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, 100% that would have sunk this team last year 100 percent. they throw because that i mean clearly kyler and michael wilson weren't on the same page and then how do you give up a 99 yard return when everybody is between the <laughs> defender and the end zone and it, look sometimes that stuff happens i get it but a year ago the cardinals throw that pick six in the first half and the second half is unwatchable 
And instead, this year, they were just like, eh, we're, we're outplaying them. We'll just come back and we'll outplay them for the rest of the game. And they did. And you're right. Philly's defense isn't amazing this year. Um, but Philly needed that game badly. I mean, they, they still had a chance at number one in the NFC. Now they're not even number one in their division. Their path's getting a whole lot tougher. They got to start on the road uh, in the playoffs, most likely now. And and they had everything to play for. But I, I the, the Cardinals... Finding ways to be internally motivated this season, and that that was something that just just wasn't there last year. And that was, I mean, we have to agree that was their best win in two years, right? I was, I was looking at this yesterday. Like, it's definitely their best win this year. The Dallas win was impressive too, but this is their best win this year. They didn't really win a lot of games last year, so I'm gonna go back. It's it's got to be you got to be going back to like 2021, and you know maybe the Rams win. You know maybe. Maybe one of the wins over San Francisco. I don't know. But either way, this is if you're a Cardinals fan, that had to be the, the most impressive win in over two years. It's a yeah. long time coming. I mean, yeah, think about it. They 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 took out Dallas, it was eleven and five. They took out Philly, which which was home, which is a good win. Yeah. Especially beating the Cowboy fans, you can shut them up. But you go to you go to Philadelphia and the you know, the Eagles need a victory to stay in the hunt to try to win their division, and you smash them. I mean, Washington was a, a good win on the road, but th- that Eagles win, you you're right. I, I can't think of a better win. And I watch every Redbirds football game and i can't think of a better win in the last couple of years well and the, you know the dallas one too was like a kyler wasn't there b it was early in the season i don't know if dallas if if dallas kind of was thinking they were just going to cruise through that or whatever I, I mean i watched that game twice i still don't totally understand how the cardinals did what they did in the dallas game but the one yesterday or, uh, sunday they just outplayed them and that, and that to me is why it's 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 the most impressive win is like you you played a really good philadelphia team i know that they're kind of scuffling right now but you went into their their stadium I can't imagine they were taking you lightly because they knew their fans wanted the Cardinals win more than seemingly any other win this season, other than, you know, maybe a couple Dallas ones. Uh, and, and you went in there and you just outplayed them. So, you know, it doesn't, you don't get to carry the win over to next year, but it is a pretty good sign going forward that they've bought in and that maybe Kyler Murray's starting to turn a corner now in this offense, too. Thanks for watching Wolf and Luke. Tap to. Yeah, I know we're not tapping on anything. Um,. Yeah, a lot, a lot of good points there, and uh, um, I, I don't know if I have a whole heck of a lot to, to add. I guess the thing is, I was thinking of the Marvin Harrison thing. You know, if the Cardinals want them and they're their they're their top guy, and you know they can make a trade happen or you know whatever to go get them, then they'll get them. If not, it's, you know whatever they got, they got bigger needs than um, than wide receiver and and. Um, uh, during the show, with uh, got the news that uh, um, DJ Humphreys, which we'll talk about uh, tomorrow, um, we'll, you know when when I can collect sound from it, uh, Torrey ACL. So you have offensive line and other different defensive needs that, to me, I think are greater than than uh, wide receiver. And 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 as great as a wide receiver as he's projected to be. Um, you can't dwell on that. You just got to move on. I like the, the, where the Cardinals are heading uh, physically, um, mentally, the grit, the toughness, the culture that they're building there over a top draft pick. And the, the fans, if you're one of those, I strongly disagree. If you're one of those that, that think, oh, you know, you, oh, man, a win messed up the draft. No, 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 no. You, you know. You play to win to the game, and yes, have I said the Cardinals uh, tanking at times? Absolutely have, and I, I still still agree with that. Um, but 
Um, the players are not. Maybe the, some of the front office decisions, with the exception of you know what Monty Austin for is doing, but um, you know at least not all of his decisions anyway. Uh, says they're tanking, the, but the the coaches, the players, they they're not, and they 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 just want to win, and that's way more important to me. And if you're one of those that uh, draft stock is more important, or how high you're drafting, or who you're drafting is more important to you, um, then then you, I I question you know whether or not you're even a fan, and so uh, you can't think on that. The the win was a great win, and um. You know they 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 played very very hard and very well and you like I like that culture better than than uh, any drafted player you can get. Um, but other than that, I think uh, you know it's hard to take away with anything that uh, Scott Williams um, and uh, and uh, Luke um, said. So uh, that's everything, Cardinals. We're going to close it up and get ready to uh, jump into. Um, the uh, Suns and just kind of preview the Suns with a conversation of a the Arizona sports had with uh, Bradley Beal. And that's up next on Big Sky Sports Talk, unofficially presented by Muya Billings. Bradley Beal was on with, um, um, Arizona Sports, and uh, more specifically with, um, um, oh gosh, uh, Burns and Gambo, and uh, talked about the, where the Suns are right now, the chemistry between him, Book, and uh, Kevin Durant, and, and just a couple of different things, and so we're going to use this as kind of setting things up for tonight, and so without further ado, here is Bradley Beal with Burns and Gambo. Day for the Phoenix Suns after back-to-back -back wins over the holiday weekend, beating the Orlando Magic and the Portland Trailblazers at home. They've got the L.A. Clippers coming up tomorrow. And joining us right now as we go off the court with the Phoenix Suns for the first time this season, we have the pleasure of welcoming in Bradley Beal into the Burns and Gambo show as he joins us here on the flagship home of the Suns. Bradley, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show. We appreciate your time today, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, fellas. How you guys doing? Uh, it's just fun to watch you play basketball. Fun to watch you get out there and do your thing. I thought that I really loved the way you played in the Orlando game. You know, this team's been looking for a spark late. They've struggled in the fourth quarter and the final five minutes. And I really thought you took over that game. After they took the lead 96-95, I thought you really took over with three big baskets. What, is it, what does it feel like? How do you feel coming back off the injury and getting back into doing your thing? No. Uh, uh, thanks for the kind words. I mean, the biggest thing for me is just getting, just getting back to play, uh, just being healthy. Um, you know, the biggest, biggest thing that we we miss out on is you know constantly building on our chemistry and building on our camaraderie. But we can't do that if we're not all available. You know, and I know I missed a great handful of games this year. And for me, it was just, it was just good to just be back on the floor. You know. Um, and secondly, you know, I'm always, I'm always, always have the mentality of just being aggressive, being myself, and uh, I have to keep telling myself like, there's a reason I'm here. You know, there's a reason I'm here, and just, just go be me. And I'm grateful that I have a unbelievable group of guys who encourage me to continue to be aggressive and 
and uh, help this team win as best as I can. Yeah, you've had the ups and downs. Tell me about the last one, though. When you, the game against the Knicks, you come down, you land awkwardly on uh, Dante DiVincenzo's foot, obviously flagrant foul for him. But just, again, you had worked so hard to come back, and then you've got to be sidelined for a couple more weeks. What was that like for you? Uh, it's frustrating. You know, it's, it's beyond frustrating because those things are all out of my control. You know, it's, and I think that, that's probably one of the most annoying things about the injuries I've had is a lot of them, they're all out of my control. Like there was nothing I can do about them, you know, but, you know, face the music and, you know, face it head on and try to get back on the floor as quick as I can. And, you know, and the one in New York was, was definitely devastating because my back was, was in a great place, uh, you know, from that putting me on the back burner for, for a good minute. But uh, to tweak my ankle like that, you know, I didn't think it would be as bad, but I tweaked it really, 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 really bad. And so, uh, I'm just happy and fortunate that I was able to come back a little bit faster than, than expected. Uh, Yusef Nurkic, and I know you responded to this, but I, I want to get your reaction to it a- again here on our show. He was asked what's been the difference with the Suns during this four-game win streak. Quote, Bradley Beal, don't even finish. Bradley Beal, close quote. That was his answer last night after the win against Portland. How does that make you feel, Bradley? Oh, that's humbling. You know, uh, it's, it's very humbling. Uh, for me, it just encourages me to just continue to, like you said earlier, um, when you you know you introduced me, just bringing a spark to the team, just trying to bring some energy. Um, it's not always about scoring. You know, we have two of probably the best scorers that ever touch a ball on our team. Um, so I'm not, you know, it's, it's nothing of that caliber. It's just constantly lifting guys up, bringing that energy, bringing a spark, and and uh, whatever it is, either offensively or defensively. You know, I'm going to try to try to get us going. You know, and uh, I'm, I'm definitely blessed, man. This is the best, obviously the best team I've ever been on. So I'm just taking advantage of uh, every single day that I have and, and trying to get better and trying to learn from these guys and, and just how I can help make the game easier for everybody. We've been talking about it all season long since the season began in late October. Like how many games until it all starts to mesh? How many games until all the pieces kind of start to click together? You're obviously deeply embedded in all of this as, as a major part of the big three. How many games do you think this needs before you guys are all connected the way you need to be for this really to work the way it's supposed to? Man, that's such a, I don't know, man. I've, I always I always told myself in the past, like, it wouldn't take long, but, I mean, we're humans too, you know, if, at the same time. And this is also, it's also hard to win in this league, you know. Sometimes we get a little naive and think we're superhumans. We can go out and do this, do that. But, you know, it's, it's still going to take some time. You know, I think offensively, I think we'll click a lot faster. Um, our defense has been our Achilles heel. Like, we have to be better on that end of the floor. Uh because offensively, like we have, like you said, we have three really good scores. The floor is very, since I've been back, has been very spaced, and it's been giving guys the ability to be able to create and have Nurk, um, have rolling lanes without being bumped and being able to catch and finish easily. So uh, I think offensively, I mean, it's still going to take games. I, I, what number, I can't really put a number on it, but, um, you know, I think it will definitely be a lot quicker than you've probably seen in a lot of teams of it, you know, being assembled before, but, because we're such an unselfish team, too. You know, I think sometimes we have to bark at each other to kind of shoot the ball or be more aggressive. So I think our main atten- attention needs to be on the defensive end, and once we get that, I think we'll be clicking a lot better. Yeah. Well, we all got a kick out of that comment last night when you called the defense tragic. So what do you mean by that? What do you mean by tragic? How bad is this defense right now? I mean, it's well, we have spurts. We have spurts where we're really good, 
And then, you know, we kind of take our foot off the gas a little bit or, you know, we'll have these mental lapses where we, we don't communicate or we just mess up some coverages. But, um, you know, we and if we want to be the team that we say we want to be, we know we, we can't have those, like, mental mistakes, you know, that we may have throughout the game. So, And I'm one of them, too. You know, it's, it's, it's a collective group. So, you know, we all have to be better, take more pride in our one-on-one defense and, and rebound, man. We we got to rebound. If y'all got some pointers on rebounding, we'll take them. <laughs> You're asking you so the wrong guys, Bradley. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm so a, the wrong guys. I'm a five ten Italian that used to be a boxer, man. I don't know. You know, I, I, you know I'm six we, one we and I'm. We need some of that We need some of that toughness. Yeah. yeah. You, you want you want fighting tips? I got you. Any but basketball? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I'm not gonna be able to If you want you. tips on how to eat a holiday Christmas pie, I'm your guy. But other than that, I, I, there's no rebounding tips you're getting from me, man. Take me back. I know, you know, and don't tell me you guys block out the noise because I know everybody says that. But uh, right after the Christmas Day game, when you when the team got beat by the Mavs, man, everybody's taking a blowtorch to you guys, and I think it was unfair because you haven't played together. But you know, there was a report that Durant is unhappy with this current team. Stephen A. Smith was calling you guys hot garbage. Does that <laughs> does, does, does that irk you a little bit? Um, uh, I've. I think at this point in my career, no, I, I'm I'm older and mature. I think it, earlier in my career, yeah, it probably would have bothered me. Um, I probably wouldn't have been able to sleep or look at those guys when I seen them in person. But no, not not in today's life. Like it's, uh, I mean, some of the stuff they were saying was right. You know, like a lot of it depended on me being healthy, and I wasn't healthy. I wasn't back on the floor. Um, I don't agree with us being hot garbage, but you know, we weren't playing well, and so. All of those things, I mean, some of those things were true. You know, the way they say them, you know, you don't necessarily agree with them, but we don't pay attention to it. Like you said, like it's, it is outside noise, um, but we do see it. We don't, we just don't allow it to bother us. You know, we have a very mature group. I don't know if everybody even seen it or pay attention to it, honestly, but, uh, you know, we, we control what we can control, and uh, we know that's, you know, that that's solved with our play on the floor. Is it harder than it looks taking three great players, like really, really great players like you and book and KD and, and, and meshing that together. Like it, it's, it's, it's kind of a balancing act, isn't it? When you're taking three players like that. A hundred percent, you know, it's, you, it's a sacrifice, you know, all three of us have to sacrifice for the greater good of the team. And at the same time, we all push each other to be ourselves. And I think that's what's, I think that's what's beautiful about our, our group. You know, we have three very unselfish guys, and you have three guys who just want to win, you know, and win at the highest level. You know, and I, I think that's the beauty of it. Um, and it's, it's, it's a work in progress. Yeah, it's not easy. Yes, it probably won't look great all the time. It won't be perfect. Um, but I think the fact that we have us three, we're very eager to learn. We're very eager to learn from each other, about each other. And uh, and we just enjoy the game, man. We just have a huge passion for it, and I think that trumps everything. You know, I think it just makes it it makes the transition of trying to mingle that all together easier. All three of you guys are just so talented, and you all could facilitate offense, and you could run an offense through you. There's a lot of talk about this team just doesn't have that true point guard, and in the end, it's going to haunt you guys. You you played a lot of point guard. Book has played a lot of point guard. Do you feel like you guys are capable of taking this team where it needs to go without having a, a traditional point guard? A hundred percent. You know, and it's it's crazy because 
I don't know how many traditional point guards exist in our league anymore. You know, I think a lot of them are shooters, a lot of them are scorers. Um, very rarely you see a lot of, like, traditional PGs, you know, in our league. So, you know, we're able, like you said, we're able to all facilitate the ball. We're all very unselfish. We're all able to handle pressure um, and and handle the ball. Like, it, it was not – we don't complicate it. You know, we – we hear it, but, you know, we're able to, I think us being a threat with the ball is, I mean, defenses have to account for that, you know, versus a point guard who may just be coming off the pass or just coming off to initiate, not not necessarily being as aggressive as Book will or as I will or as KD will coming off an initial action. So, um, you know, I think we, we kind of love where it, where it is and it's still a work in progress. We still have to, you know, kind of balance it, like you said earlier, of, I try to. I have to be better at kind of getting book off the ball a little bit. Let him be a two guard. Let him score. Let him work off pin downs and and DHOs a little bit more because he he works a little bit hard. Work playing point guard a little bit for us. So I think in terms of that, I think that's maybe where we can uh, maybe visit our point guard situation but you know for the most part we're all very comfortable with handling the ball bradley we really appreciate your time today uh best of luck the rest of the season we thank you for coming on for a few minutes we enjoyed the conversation very much so good luck all right beautiful show fellas thanks for having me yeah thanks bradley appreciate bradley, it bradley beal joining us here on the arizona sports line the burns and gamble show really, really nice act. guy first time we've had him on the yeah, season i really total, enjoyed that conversation very much um yeah, good conversation. Uh, I guess what I would say is, I get the wording of a traditional point guard. I, I would have to agree. You know, I mean, the league's changed so much that the traditional point guard is not necessarily a thing, but a primary ball handler has got to be um, a thing sometimes. And uh, because you can see the difference when you have a primary ball handler like Chris Paul, who is, yes, he's older, a traditional point guard, um, that you, you know, the the Suns, is specifically um, shooters like uh, um, Devin Booker, who is the primary ball handler right now, is more successful in a system where he's not bringing it up. Um, we, you know, I think many, if not all of us can, can agree on that. And I think, you know, obviously that that's a question that keeps on getting asked because they, you know, they, they see the difference, but, um, um, I, I think, uh, unfortunately it's going to take more time to, to get everything, uh, and everybody fully acclimated to, uh, what they are trying to do there. So. Um, but that is everything. Um, a uh, lot uh, of suns, or and a lot of suns, a lot of cardinals today. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, it's always got pretty lengthy when we have the coordinators, but um, tomorrow we'll get um, the full news on um, DJ Humphreys. But like I said, uh, he has uh, uh, torn ACL, so that's going to impact the offseason greatly might further impact uh, his his uh, being DJ's stay with the Cardinals um, and uh, um, you know insert Paris Johnson jr so that, that's probably a probable thing that's gonna uh, happen and yes I said probably a probable but anyway um, but uh, please uh, like follow comment subscribe um, share post uh, 
whatever you want to do um, and can do, uh, that would be great to help get the word out. You know, share the episodes, uh, um, comment on on social media uh, sites, um, and any posts there. And that that's uh, at uh, Big Sky Sports Talk for Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Um, and then uh, listening platforms, plenty to choose from: Spotify, uh, Apple, Google, Audible, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. Um, just to uh, name a few um, and also YouTube music as well so um, great uh, great way to listen and, and on your fla- favorite platform and uh, please do listen as much as you can as often as you can as many platforms as you can is always a big big deal it helps me out uh, big sky sports talk at gmail.com if you want to get involved in the show uh, if you want to join the show maybe Share your opinions via text or or uh, whatever. That is always um, encouraged. Um, and then as far as tomorrow, we'll have uh, Suns and, of course, more Cardinals and uh, anything else I can come up with. But we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks.